What's up, movie lovers? Welcome to episode number 15 of Ready Play Movies, your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of entertainment. Every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific or 9 a.m. Eastern Time, we discuss the top news of the week, notable releases, what we're watching, big topics of the industry, and the movies we love. If you want to write anything to be read on the show, send us an email to readyplaymovies at gmail.com or hit us up at Ready, Ready Play Movies on Twitter. No matter where you found us, please subscribe to the feed. So you can get every new show directly to your device as soon as it posts. And if you like it, please leave us a nice review. This is April 20th, 2021, and I'm your host, Louis Menchaca, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Mr. Troy Bracey. Yes, yes, it's here. It's good to be back. Troy, so you're, let's, let's you, uh, you missed out on last week, man. I'm, I'm yeah. glad you're back. And uh, we had a good show last week with Dallas, and everyone should definitely go listen to that. It was a real good, yeah, fun show. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Thank, I appreciate Dallas for holding it down. <laughs> and uh, Troy, I, I definitely, uh, I'm glad you're okay and everything is all good with you. And uh, yeah, I don't, yes. you don't necessarily have to reveal why you missed out last week. I don't, you don't have to put your business out there, but I'm glad you're back. Yes, uh, sir. But uh, you've been busy, though. Um, you've been posting on your YouTube channel. Yeah, there yeah, you. man, I'm back. Um, I've been on a long hiatus. Um, but it, you know, but I'm, I, I think I'm officially back. I'm gonna be start being consistent. Uh, be on the lookout for a lot more videos coming. But it, it actually feel kind of good though. I'm not gonna lie because more than I actually thought, I've had more you know people saying, "Hey, man, where, what's up with your YouTube?" And that that uh, actually surprised me. So that made me feel good. Like there's actually people that you know watch and care. And when you new into the YouTube game, like you know any little support or anything is makes you feel confident and good. So yeah, yeah, yeah. be on the lookout. I'm gonna put in the show notes uh, the link to uh, Troy's YouTube channel. Go ahead and check it out. He's put two two videos out recently. His first video back was about uh, the Snyder Cut, and it did over a hundred views. So that's yeah. uh, congratulations on that. Yeah, that's one of my most successful uh, videos. And uh, and then he just put out a video over the weekend uh, regarding Godzilla versus Kong. So there we go. Yes. yes um, and uh, yeah, that's. Thank you. Uh, finally, I've been you've been uh, you've been teasing a lot of uh, videos. I hope that you uh, you know put out your your older videos that you recorded but didn't edit and stuff like that. Like just just uh, put yeah. out the uh, what was that Denzel movie? Uh, damn, what was it called? Fuck. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, thing. Uh, what was it? The called little things. Yeah. Little just things, put yeah. out put out the little things review. Just because. Yeah, I, actually, it's funny. I have that review too. Like I have that review and I have the uh, review for Wandavision. Like. Oh. <laughs> So it's like, <laughs> don't I, put out the one division one. Don't, don't, don't. But the little things I'll allow. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, the one division is too. Uh, I kind of let that one like get too far yeah. away. But I kind of wanted to put it out before I put out my uh, Falcons and Winter Soldier. I'm gonna just wait till the end of that. You know, when it's over, because it's only what one more episode yep. left. Yep. Uh, yeah. So I'm probably I'm gonna wait till the end of that and put, go ahead and put that out. All right. Speaking of Falcon and Winter Soldier, let's go ahead and move on to impressions. Um, so. Troy, you actually haven't, we haven't heard your thoughts on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier in quite some time, not just because yeah. you missed uh, last week, but you also, the week before when you were on, you weren't even caught up. And so yeah, yeah. we have basically, you have to give impressions on episode three, four, and five all in yeah. this week. So hit yeah. us up with your impressions on the, on what you think so far leading into the uh, finale. Yeah. Um, I actually, you know, the show uh, did consistently get better and better. You know, mm -hmm. like each episode, I felt like got better and better. Uh, overall, I'm I'm not the I'm still not the biggest fan. Like I'm not I don't think it's a bad show, but I'm just not the biggest fan. You know, and uh, I like I I'm fifty fifty on how Zemo. Like it was cool to see uh what's the villain name uh Zemo Baron Zemo yeah 
Yeah, it, it was cool to see him, but I don't. I feel like you know the episode without revealing anything. I just felt like they just jumped to him. Like it's like, oh shit, we can't find who we're looking for. Let's go get Zimbo. It's like, wait, what? Y'all not even. I felt like it wasn't even that much of effort to like try to find these people first and then fail. And it was like, all right, that's our last result. It was like one of their first options was like, all right, let's go break a villain out of you know. So. But to be fair, in a two-hour movie, they would do that. You know what I mean? Like this is yeah. even though we got six episodes, we they literally have, you know, so much plot that they have to like. You know, this show could have been better if it was nine or ten episodes. I will say that. And, and also, like you know, and I agree with that. But also, I felt like they got like extra meat that didn't need to be in the show. Like if you think about going back to those first couple of episodes where it was like uh, the Falcon dealing with his sister and the boat and all that shit. It's like. What does that even have to do with this show so far? Like, you know what I mean? It's like cut that shit off, and they should have jumped right into the story. You know, I feel it's a, like it's episode four. It's about legacy, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, but it's like, come on now, like you know, like when you got a story to tell, you kind of, especially in a certain amount of time, you kind of got to know what's important to the story and what's not. You know what I mean? And so it's like. You know, that episode could have been more time for them, you know, looking for the, you know, villains that they're looking for. Yeah. Right. You know, and then, you know, then maybe, like you said, it would have maybe worked after a while after they failed or whatever. And it's like, man, we got no other option. Let's, you know, woo to woo do, you know, break Zemo. And I would have maybe been on board with it a little more. And, um, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's not a, it's not a bad show. It's a bit boring. I do feel like, you know, uh, um. I do feel like the Winter Soldier is a bit dull as a character. Like, it was justified in the other Marvel movies because, like, his mind was fucked. Basically, he was being mind-fucked throughout the, like, the the series and stuff from Winter Soldier to even the Captain uh, Civil War, even Captain Civil War. Like, he was dealing with that, so you, he was kind of justified. But, like, now I just feel like he's kind of a dull, boring character. And they happen to get their ass whooped a lot, you know, in the show. <laughs> But uh, I but but I do like you know I, I, what I didn't like at first that I end up actually kind of liking is the whole Captain America thing. Yeah, you know, the whole he steals a lot Captain of scenes. Am- by the way, he's been stealing yeah. scenes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, that that actually grew on me. That was one of the things like I rolled my eyes when they first you know did. I was like, oh really? They're gonna go with this? But then after a while, like the way they're kind of changing him to a villain, like. I kind of like how they're going with that, and I'm very interested, you know, in in that whole story arc. So, yeah, you know, it's still another episode left, and uh, I'm excited. You know, I'm excited about the next episode for yeah, sure. I'm excited for the finale as well. And uh, I just gotta just you know add to that uh, a couple of things. Is uh, uh, well, first off, uh, if you uh, for those that have uh, missed last week's episode, last week's show uh, with Dallas, Dallas ca- uh, came out and just said that. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier is better than WandaVision, and you can fight him. Hell no. <laughs> I'm going to have to talk to him. Hell no. Like, I, like, I mean, and I, I see how he could, oh, he, he would say that because I feel like um, Captain uh, Winter Soldier, uh, this this Falcon and Winter Soldier, I feel like is, is more of what you're accustomed to seeing from Marvel, yeah. you know, and I felt like. Well, I mean, um, it's because, I mean, like, he's. This show is dealing with a lot with race and stuff like that. If you think about it, 
Like, and of yeah. course, uh, you know, Dallas is, he's a black guy and, uh, yeah. and there's definitely a lot of, uh, uh, especially with what the last, the latest episode where they're talking about, you know, about a black Captain America and everything like that. And, yeah. you know, there's yeah. so much, there's so much, uh, things that they're taking on, like that, that Marvel is taking on as far as, uh, you know, very mature ass themes. So yeah, yeah, and I I did like you know I I believe it was like episode three where it was like that black dude that Isaiah they Bradley. tested on. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a uh, good stuff. You know, right right there, I, I really you know like that. And still, the best joke of the whole series is where the little kid was like black falcon and it was like <laughs> it's just falcon and then it was like well does that make you black kid like it was that that shit was so funny that that's still like the the best joke of the whole s- series so far but i don't know I, I definitely disagree with that for sure i def i definitely disagree and again it's not you know the show not over so the last episode could be so good that it make the whole damn thing better who knows we don't know yet so i mean i'm gonna wait for that last episode but so far Hell no! It's not even. It's not no. Uh, but I, I do. I do like that the uh, the show actually you know paused and let you know everyone breathe for like the the penultimate episode. You know everyone was just chilling, fixing a boat, and I, it yeah. was really good character development and good character uh, like montage of you know of uh, Sam training and everything. It was yeah, so and it was real. It was real smart because it started off with action. You know, like it started off them go. You know going at it with Captain America or the fake Captain America. And uh, so it wasn't like it was just boring, you know, through the whole thing. It gave you oh, yeah, that. that was a good fight. That was probably yeah. one of the, probably best, the fights. best fights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, uh, it kind of itched that scratch of, like, kind of wanting some more action. And then after that, it could they could just chill. The show could chill and kind of, you know, breathe. Very well directed, very well choreographed. You knew where everyone was at and everything like that. And, yeah. you know, just the facial expressions and the performances and stuff whenever uh, the fight was over. And you can see there was just so much, uh, you know, on Anthony Mackie's face when he was just, like, in total, utterly disbelief and stuff like that, where he can see that regret of him giving up the shield because he's, like, wiping off, uh, you know, the shield and like yeah. very like you know you can he was shook you know what i mean yeah so i yeah. like this show is this this show has layers and stuff like that i'm like uh i i don't know if i can uh, i don't have an opinion so far as to whether or not i would come out and save it's better than wandavision but i will say it goes toe to toe with it for damn sure i will i'll give i'll easily say that um but i will say uh for some people Fal- uh for wandavision like wandavision didn't really stick the landing at the end for the for the series finale yeah uh, that is one thing that is one thing that i feel like falcon and winter soldier can do better than wandavision is stick to landing a bit better yeah uh, even though i i i really like the 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 last episode of wandavision it didn't stick to landing in terms of what you kind of wanted um, so, and if this can stick to landing, I think it'll catch it up for me. So far, it's not even, it's not better. It's not it, uh, even really close to me, but that last episode, you know, it, it really means a lot when it comes to series, television series. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's really up to see how Falcon and Winter Soldier, you know, knock it out the park at the end. Okay. All right. Well then with that said, let's go ahead and move on to the next thing. I, I actually watched something on Amazon, uh, this week. Um, uh, I actually wanted to watch two movies because there are two movies that, that handle the same subject or whatever, but I only got around to watching just one of them. It's called, the movie's called the map of tiny, perfect things. 
And uh, it's a movie about two like teenagers that are stuck in a time loop, kind of like Groundhog Day and Day After Tomorrow, where like it, the day just keeps on resetting every single time. Um, and so the movie is really like focuses in on the boy, and he's uh, you know out here living his best life and just sort of speed running through the day and like you know like. Um, you know, catching like accidents before they happen, like, you know, stopping a man before he walks under a, like a bird shit or whatever. And, you know, catching a book that's, you know, falling off a bookcase or, you know, catching a girl before she falls into a swimming pool, like catching a coffee cup before it breaks, <laughs> like a lot of like, just like fun things and stuff like that. It kind of makes sense from something like, like uh, that something that I would think I would do is probably is uh, what he was doing is just how he's just having fun, messing around, like not a care in the world and stuff. And, you know, he's stuck in that time loop and doesn't really know what to do with, with himself and next thing you know he discovers and finds a girl that's also in the time loop with him um, as far as like being able to remember the day resetting and stuff she remembers too she's like sort of like living her life as well in the loop as long as he has and so yeah it's a movie it's like a bit of a love story between the two of them and stuff like that to break the loop i guess it's minor spoilers but kind of obvious very cliche to break the loop they got to fall in love and so yeah, uh, it was a really fun movie, and uh, I actually kind of want to watch Palm Springs because I believe it's the same, similar premise. So uh, I, from my understanding is that Palm Springs is probably a really good movie, and um, I would like to compare the two maybe next week. And uh, as far as what I thought of uh, this movie in general, uh, overall, this movie was kind of... Um, a mediocre. I'm not gonna say it was a bad oh, movie. Oh, really? Oh, that's surprising. I thought you were gonna say it was really good, based off kind of your, you know. Uh, I mean, like, I'm not really big on romantic comedies. It was a bit of a chick flick and stuff like that. It's not like it's like the funniest movie ever. It was some funny chuckles and stuff like that. I would definitely say it's way leagues better than Thunder Force, uh, mm. which anything mm. really is because Thunder Force <laughs> was a bad movie. Yeah. But yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like, if it's if you got a Prime subscription, of course, yeah, you can just like you know get on the couch with like a loved one and just sort of like. You know, get on, uh, you know, cozy up under a blanket and watch a uh, watch this movie together. It's very, uh, it's very like I, w- I would say like a bit of a a bit emotionally fulfilling because of how like you know optimistic it is and and you know like the meet cute kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I'm like I'm not gonna say it's like a bad movie, but it's also like not a it's not like a, a top tier movie either. It's just kind of okay, you know. And yeah. uh, uh, I will say the girl uh, is actually played by uh, Catherine. Um, I think her name is Catherine Newton. And she was in uh, in Freaky, and uh, I want to say Thirteen Reasons Why, but I can't be sure about that one. But I'm pretty sure that's the that's the case. So, yeah, um, the the map of tiny perfect things, Amazon Prime. Okay, yeah, for sure. I'm gonna have to check that out. I remember seeing the trailer like maybe like two months ago, maybe even longer. But and saying I wanted to check it out, just never got around to it. So I might have to check that out. Okay. And what have you been watching since last uh, last time we? So I, you know, I, I've actually been on a Paul Thomas Anderson marathon, really. Uh, you know, uh, he's one of my, <clears throat> well, I, not necessarily one of my favorite directors, but one of the great directors working, you know, today. And, uh, I was like, you know, he got a new movie coming out called like Soggy Bottom or something like that. So anytime, like, uh, I'm excited about a director and there's and a movie coming out, I just start wa- watching all his older movies. So one of the movies I watched, uh, of his on HBO Max was Phantom Thread. It came out in 2017. It's, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis at his best. It's one, I believe he said this is his last role. Daniel Day-Lewis being the greatest actor to ever act, either him or De Niro, in my opinion, um, it was, so it was, so it's always like just mesmerizing to see his performances and, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, basically Phantom Thread is about, 
you know, a guy in the 1950s that is a designer, you know, he was cool with like Burberry and a lot of these, you know, big time designers and stuff uh, from the old days. And basically, like, it's just about how his life is consumed by uh, threading and, you know, making dresses and making all this designer clothes and stuff. And uh, whoever he's in love with, usually they, you know, break apart because they, you know, he his life is just dedicated to doing that and he ended up me- basically meeting some uh woman that was strong and you know he fell in love with her and again it was going down the same path of him not really needing her or caring about her because he's into his career but he ended up getting sick and therefore like he ended up needing this woman more than he you know normally need women and it's it's just a really good film because it's a big twist you know, at the end, and I know it sounds more like just a love story, a typical love story, but again, Paul Thomas Anderson, he's good at, you know, making things different from what you expect, you know, and as long as you watch a movie and you could expect something different, then, you know, it's, I mean, as long as you could watch a movie and be surprised because something different happens that you're not accustomed to seeing in the type of movies that you watch, you can always have a good time and always, you know, usually those movies are very good. And Phantom Thread was a good one. So, yeah, I watched that one. I watched uh, Phantom Thread and I watched The Master. I'll talk about that a little later. I watched There Will Be Blood. And yeah, so. But, yeah, Phantom Thread, it's on HBO Max. I believe it's on Hulu as well. I think anyone should, if you want to watch a masterful movie, watch Phantom Thread. It got nominated for, like, six Oscars. So, it was really good. Yeah, and it won for Best Achievement in Costume Design. Um, oh yeah oh wow see that's that that doesn't surprise me you know because that's kind of what the movie's about you know what i mean so yeah (laughs) and of course like just like any every every movie that uh, daniel day lewis is in he gets nominated for best performance oh yeah yeah it's like it's almost automatic that's yeah it's like it's like uh daniel day lewis and um ah damn what's what's her name leonardo dicaprio what's ah damn it uh meryl streep yeah anytime they're in movies they get nominated yep, yep Yep, every time. <laughs> uh, all right, well, Phantom Thread, that's uh, that's an interesting one. I, I completely forgot that movie even existed, by the way, even though it got nominated yeah, yeah. for Oscar. It yeah, was nominated it for off. Best Picture, and then yeah. that's crazy. All right, let's go ahead and, and move on to the news. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. All right, we got five headlines to talk about here. Uh, the first headline it comes from Variety. Uh, it says here that arc-like cinemas... Pacific theaters will close permanently. Uh, Arc-like cinemas and Pacific theaters will close down a victim of the global pandemic that brought uh, movie going to a standstill. The news comes as things was beginning to look up for the hard hit exhibition industry and serves as a reminder of the economic devastation wrought by a public health crisis that upended cultural life. Quote, after shutting down our, our doors more than a year ago, today we must share the difficult and sad news that Pacific will no longer be reopening its arc-like cinemas and Pacific theater locations. Close quote. The company said in a statement, uh, this was not the outcome anyone wanted, but despite a huge effort that exhausted all potential options, the company does not have a viable way forward. The closure means that some of its uh, the most prominent and popular movie theaters in the heart of the film industry will be shuttered, including the iconic Cinerama Dome, which was which has hosted movie premieres and had cameos in everything from Mel- Melrose Place to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The announcement, the announcement resulted in uh, paroxysms of 
of grief across social medias as cinephiles, actors, and filmmakers like Gina Prince uh, Blythewood, uh, Barry Jenkins, and Elijah Wood weighed in on Twitter and other platforms to express their dismay that the marquees may remain dark even after COVID-19 abates. Uh, so, uh, just going to skip forward in this article and say here that it is possible, of course, that another company could assume these uh, leases by the brands and reopen the theaters. That might involve some tough conversations with landlords. A recent report on IndieWire stated that Pacific Theaters exhibitions has not paid $181,000. $900 in March of 2021, uh, rents for its Culver City arc-like location and could owe on the order of $2.2 million for the full year. So that's, uh, I, I've, I've, I actually never heard of the arc-like cinemas, but apparently uh, arc-like is, uh, is a very huge, um, like their, their big market that they're really big in is like the LA, California market where they're just, they got a stronghold, and generally speaking, movie theater chains tend to operate under markets and stuff like that, where, like, AMC is, like, big in, like, you know, certain yeah. regions of the U.S., and they don't really have, like, a stronghold in other regions. And so these bigger theater chains, they tend to, like, sort of divvy up the U.S. And uh, yeah. it's it's kind of crazy that one of the big premier Los Angeles movie theater chains is, you know, gone for good. So what are your thoughts and uh, on this? And also, is uh, this a... Um, is this is this a bad is this bad for the movie uh, theater industry? Yeah, man, this one this one really uh, made me sad, man. Mainly because I always wanted to go to the Cinerama Dome. Like I've heard that <laughs> that, that that experience is way different from anything we experience. Like when we go to whatever theater, we could go to the best theater we can think of, you know, in, in our area. But from what my understanding is, like. The arc like theaters, they're more about experiences. It's more about seeing, you know, uh, movies on the biggest screen possible. It's like for cinema lovers, you know. And uh, it's crazy because I plan to go to L.A. to watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood there. And I end up not being able to do it. And it sucks because now if I don't ever get to watch a movie there, it's gonna, I'm always think about that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think this is, I don't think this is a big blow to the movie industry as a whole because I think, you know, the arc light theaters are more for the the hardcore fans that wanna that would be like like me that's willing to go to another state just to watch a movie you know what I'm saying but it's not many of those even movie fans that exist it ain't that many movie fans that would do that type of stuff or like into so it doesn't really hurt the movie industry as a whole but for those that really love cinema and film you know it's it's a big blow for sure yeah yeah um, so of course. Um... Uh, when it comes to the arc like theaters uh they've they were, were closed and their plan was to reopen and uh i guess something happened with the funding that they're not even capable of uh reopening and so um at least at at least at current you know date it doesn't seem like um like any actual like you know f movie theater employees are are being let go it's probably more of like like upper management like executives you know like corporate offices yeah. and stuff like that that are going to be yeah. let go so the overall like you know? and, it, and I understand because you got to understand COVID when COVID, that was like a year ago now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like you imagine a business making no money for over, for a year straight, like any business would suffer for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So most businesses, they was been able to open again, you know, like when the COVID first hit. 
and everything was closed down, you know, there's so many businesses that reopened up a long time ago and they haven't been able to do so. So they actually took a blow that they couldn't get back up from. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, uh, since Arc Likes Theaters, uh, since their their biggest region is California, uh, it's also uh, worth noting that California remained in lockdown the longest. Uh, like California oh, and New York, they yeah. remain in lockdown, lockdown. Like, you know, when in Texas, we sort of reopened. We were quicker yeah. to reopen than other you know than those yeah places. that's a good point good point point. and so um they just we just talked about on this very show that they finally allowed like 25 percent capacity you know what i mean so right right um and it says here the article closes out with other theaters have had a difficult time of surviving the past year of closures and movie delays alamo draft house which we talked about on the show has filed for chapter 11 uh with while major chains such as amc theaters reported to uh, uh reported some 4.4 billion dollars in losses related to the COVID era so Damn. yeah, uh, we'll continue to keep an eye on this, and we'll uh, we'll of course you know talk about any uh, any. I of hope I, I hope Alamo stay of course uh, stay uh, stay in business because Alamo Draft House is my favorite theater chain. You know what I mean? So hopefully they'll make it. Of course, and like I said, we uh, we are the movie podcast, so we'll continue to uh, to talk about these things as they come. But the next story up is also coming from Variety. And uh, it says here that Alfred Molina details Doc Ock's return in Spider-Man No Way Home. And uh, it says here, the the tentacles do all the work. And that's his quote. So it says here, when Alfred Alfred Molina was first invited to reprise his role as the villainous Otto Octavius in Spider-Man No Way Home, the forthcoming third installment of the Marvel Cinematic Universe's Spider-Man films, led by Tom Holland, he said he was told to keep it quiet. Uh, quote, when we were shooting it, we were all under orders to not talk about it because it was supposed to be some great big secret, Molina said while uh, a laugh, M- Molina said with a laugh during an interview with Variety about his role in the Oscar nominated pr- Promising Young Woman. Uh, he continues, but you know, it's all over the internet. I actually described myself as the worst kept secret in Hollywood. Uh, instead, not only did Molina confirm his involve, involvement in No Way Home, he happily detailed his experience making the movie and returning to a part he first played in, in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2 in 2004. Quote, it was wonderful, he said. It was very interesting going back after 17 years to play the same role, given that in the intervening years, I now have two chins, a waddle, a crow's feet, and slightly <laughs> dodgy lower back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's true. I mean, you get old and stuff like that. Um, it says here, when the actor asked John Watts, the, John Watts, the director of No Way Home, how the movie would bring back uh, Doc Ock, uh, he, uh, since he, as he pointed out at the end of Spider-Man 2, he died, Molina said that the director told him, in this universe, no one really dies. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, shit true as hell, man. In Spider-Man 2, uh, let's see, let me... Let me quickly uh, read over this here. Okay. Uh, let me just skip forward in the article. It says here, Molina's concerns were more practical. He said that uh, that he asked Watts how they were going to deal with the fact that at, at age 67, um, he has aged since the 2004 film. Uh, he, quote, he looked at me and said, did you see what we did with Bob, uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Sam Jackson, Molina said with a laugh in 2016's uh, Captain America Civil War. Marvel Studios used used CGI to de-age Robert Downey Jr. to look like he did in 1991. And in 2019's Captain Marvel also said in the 90s they, they de-aged Samuel L. Jackson to play a younger version of himself uh, as Nick Fury. Yeah. Um, that looked good, too. Yeah, so uh, Molina also cited Martin Scorsese's The Irishman as an example of digital de-aging and its limitations. 
Uh, they made Robert De, Nier- De Niro's face younger, but when he was fighting, he looked like an older guy, <laughs> Molina said. Yeah. Uh, he looked like an old guy. That's uh, what he was worried about doing it again. Um, uh, quote, I don't have the same physical- physicality that I had 17 years ago, he continued, and that's just a fact. Molina realized that, though, that the nature of the role would save him. I then remembered that it's the tentacles that do all the work. He sat up straight in his seat. He, My basic physical move as, um, as Doc Ock, as the actor, is uh, just this. He said that as he glared intensely at the Zoom camera and made a menacing noise. <laughs> I just do that a lot, and the arms are, are doing all the killing and smashing and breaking. I'm just going, and he glared again with a kind of a mean look on my face. It was fantastic. So, yeah, that's kind of interesting that, um, you know, even Samuel L. Jackson actually looked like an old man during his physical fights and stuff uh, in... Um, and, Ca- and Captain Marvel. So it's actually yeah. interesting that there he's even concerned that, you know, hey, I I, can, I know you can de-age my face and stuff like that, but I'm not going to move like a spry young man. And they're like... I mean, like, but the thing is, like he brought up, like, CGI can do a lot. You know what I mean? Like, when, when you see Superman shooting through the sky, that's not him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, and then, like, he even pointed out, like, if you go back and watch that older Spider-Man movie, he's not really doing shit. It's, like, his CGI arms that are doing all of the fighting and stuff. You know what I mean? So, that, I don't think that's as much of a problem as, like, in the Irishman where you have to be physical. They can't just make a whole CGI person fight. You know what I mean? Uh, same with Captain, I mean, same with Captain Marvel, you know, like the fighting scenes had to be real pretty much, but I feel like they could get away with it a little more, but it's tripped me out because he sure is talking a lot for this shit to be supposedly be a secret, man. Yeah. It, 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 yeah, he has a whole lot to say. Like It's actually, uh, it's interesting because there's two things at play. Number one, he never was officially, officially confirmed like Jamie Foxx was for like Electro. Yeah. So this is the first time he's actually physically, like, you know, you know, on the record saying, yeah, I'm in it. But he's also saying that, fuck it. I've already been paid. I've already shot my scenes. They're not going to delete my scenes. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, I, but the thing, the only thing that I wonder, because usually a lot of these actors are contractually obligated not to speak, you know what I mean? Or they could get fined, you know what I'm saying? So it like, I wonder, it's like, is he going to get fined for saying all this shit? Like, you know what I mean? It's like he went all out, like as if like someone gave him the, the cue to say, hey, say whatever the fuck you want to. Like, you know what I mean? He gave us... Uh, we went from not even knowing he's in the movie to knowing that, you know, he's going to be in it and he's going to have physicality, you know, he's going to have physical stuff to do. And like, you know, he just gave away a lot of shit. So mm-hmm. I wonder how that's going behind the scenes. Yeah, you know and, what I'm saying? And also within the interviews and stuff like that, not that I didn't read in the article, but apparently it takes place immediately after his his death scene in uh, in 2004 Spider-Man. Uh, too so um, yeah. basically I'm assuming that because he, he I don't remember if you remember like the way it ended but he like you know sank into the water with like a giant energy right. ball like a fusion reactor yeah. thing so basically yeah. it could sort of use the energy my 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 fan theory that I, the people are like you know are like sort of like rumoring and stuff is that that energy thing sort of like opens up a wormhole to like the, the spider verse and he goes through it kind of thing yeah so That'd be man, interesting. This, this movie here, man, I I'm not I'm I ain't gonna lie. I'm super curious. Like I don't think I've ever been more curious for a, a a comic book movie ever in the history. Like they're doing some real multiverse shit. You know, if you think about like with Jamie Foxx and and I and I'm curious to know. I don't know how big of a role. Like is these scenes that are just like 
one quick scene just for the fans or is this like a big part of the movie like I'm so curious. Like, I think the Spider-Man trailer, when that trailer dropped, is going to be one of the most viewed trailers ever because everyone is like, what the fuck is going on with this movie? You know, <laughs> yes. and how is this going to tie in to the way the last Spider-Man movie ended with, you know, his identity being revealed? Like, what does this have to do? Like, all these multiverses, all this other stuff, like, what does this have to do with that? So, I'm just, I'm very curious. You know, I don't think, I'm not saying they're doing a, something bad. I'm not saying they're doing something good. I'm just curious yeah, to and see also, what the hell they're doing. And also, they just said that they have, like, the biggest action scene to ever be in an action movie or to ever be in a comic book movie for for a uh, a solo movie. It's not an Avengers. Damn. Uh, it's not an Avengers, like, movie. So it's because it's, like, a Spider-Man solo movie that they have, like, the biggest action scene. And they actually Damn. finished filming it. And it took them a month to film one action scene. Damn, like that that right there trips me out. Like I like and those are big words cuz like we live in a world of comic book movies now where like action scenes is getting bigger and bigger and bigger like for so for them to come out and say it like straight up, man, I can't wait for that movie. Uh, it has to basically I would say like the biggest action scene in a uh, in a solo in a I'm going to use air quotes solo. Solo. Uh, yeah, superhero yeah. movie is probably going to go to Captain America Civil War. But, yeah, yeah, Civil War. Uh, you know, and that really don't even count because I always, I always consider that movie an Avengers movie. Like, <laughs> it, it might be Captain America's movie, but that's like an Avengers movie. That it got so many characters in that movie, and it's so many like it, that's Avengers really. So that that really don't even count. Yeah, you, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So, anyways, if it's bigger than Civil Wars, like you know, uh, action sequence with the airport, then yeah, and then yeah. hats off to them if they pull that off for real because that's one of the most badass uh, action sequences ever. Yeah. Okay. All right. So next, next up, this comes from CNET. Uh, this is a fun story, and I don't, I want to know what your take is here. But right now, it's all pure like it's not even a rumor. It's more of like, haha. You know, well, that'd be fun. Uh, it says here, Fast and the Furious could cross over with Jurassic World, says director. And he didn't really say that. This headline from CNET and also the other other websites, and they're overstating the facts. But we'll get into that. Um, quote, well, I never said, I never said never to, hmm, I guess I'll just re-reward re -re this quote. Uh, quote, well, I never say never to anything. Uh, Fast and the Furious and Dinosaurs, along with the new trailer for the ninth installment in the Fast and the Furious tra uh, franchise called F9, director Justin Lin attended, attended a virtual press conference where he entertained the idea of the franchise crossing over to Jurassic World. Uh, well, I've never said never to anything, uh, Lynn said at the press conference on whether he'd handle a crossover. And the fact that part of our philosophy is to not ever be boxed in or labeled, and that's all I will say. Uh, Universal Studios is the home of both the Fast and the Furious uh, flicks and the Jurassic, the, the Jurassic Park films. Michelle Rodriguez, who plays Letty in the High Octane franchise, could see the brands merging, the brand merge working. Uh, quote, once you reach a certain pinnacle... There's nowhere to go but to cross brands and merge. It's what big corporations do with each other when they get too big. You know what I mean? You, you just have to brand uh, and merge with each other, but the, other, the only thing standing in the way is lawyers and studios because usually the brands that you're trying to merge with belong to different studios or whatever, but it's under the same umbrella. I don't know. I'm just saying it works. So um, basically that's not... 
they're not saying that they're going to like cross over like for, uh, Fast and Furious and Jurassic Park. It's more of like a media, uh, one of the outlets, you know, during the during the Zoom meetings and stuff like that, during these virtual press conferences, they were fielded a question and say, hey, would Fast and the Furious, uh, you know, cross over with Jurassic Park? And they just didn't, they didn't, their answer was like not a denial. It's like, hey, yeah, I will never say, director said, I'll never say no to anything. And uh, Michelle Rodriguez is like, yeah, we're under the same umbrella. It's very well possible. We can, that could work. So it's more of like, I don't know. It's more of like, just like a fun, like, oh, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, but it's, like a what if yeah, situation. It's not like saying, oh yeah, we're definitely doing it. That's like, that's not happening. But it's kind of interesting. And it reminds me of that one headline about when Sony, the Sony email leak happened and they almost made a crossover with 21 Men Jump Street. And uh, yeah, Men in and Black. Men, yeah. yeah, so. Yeah. Anyways, uh, uh, what are your thoughts on this, Troy? Would you like to see this, and uh, what's the likelihood? Well, well um, I don't think this, this is something that's going to happen. I usually don't really like even talking about these type of scenarios because it's just, it like, like you said, they're just kind of like what-if scenarios, really. Like, there's no kind of, like, you know what I mean? It's, it's not even like it's any negotiations or anything. So it, it really is no really point of really getting into it. But I will say I wouldn't like it. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't even like it because like things like this, like it, it to me, it's just so desperate. It just feels like a desperate attempt to make a hit, you know, and it's like it's the same reason why I didn't like the idea of 21 uh, Jump Street crossing over with Men in Black. Like, it's just so desperate. Like, those worlds don't even make sense to be <laughs> in the same world. You know what I'm saying? And Fast and Furious is like, their franchise is doing fine. Jurassic World, their franchise is doing fine. Like, it's just so desperate. Like, oh, let's make a billion. We want a billion dollar film. This could be a billion dollar film. And usually when movies are made out of desperation, instead of just trying to make a good movie that can be a hit, usually the movies are very bad. You know what I mean? Like, they're very bad. So I, I wouldn't be, you know, this is one of those movies where I got to be a believer after I see it. Like, I'm like, oh, hell no. Then I see it, and I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. But just the idea of it is like, hell no, man. And there, and that's, to me, ruining such a iconic, like, when you think about the first Jurassic Park, you know what I mean? It's like, that's what the legacy end up being, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, fused with fa uh, Fast and Furious. Are you serious? You know what I mean? So I don't know. I just I, I don't really like the idea. Yeah, I mean that's if this were to actually happen, um, it would most people would basically cite this as Exhibit A when it comes to the creative bankruptcy of Hollywood. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean. I, I would say the Fast and the Furious, one of the things I, I would say about the Fast and the Furious is that they are so over the top and like, you know, they are basically, you know, the Avengers and they're superheroes, basically, if you think about it. Um, yeah. I would say with how over the top they are and how how much they play with physics and stuff, they can totally get away with with like cross crossing over with damn near anything and everything. You know, I can just as easily see a crossover with Fast and the Furious and Transformers just as easily as Fast and the Furious <laughs> and Jurassic Park. So yeah. Um, but yeah, that's just my two cents. I don't I don't think that's I actually don't think this is happening. I think it's more of just like you know. People are are, take, are fielding questions from the media, and they're like, "Yeah, that's possible. It's whatever." You know, they're just they're not like. I think that's more of like the right answer to say is to be very, you know, like sunny and cheerful yeah. and you know smiles about it. But re yeah. but really, they know that's not happening. So yeah, I agree. All right. So next up is gonna this uh, this headline comes from comicbookmovie.com, and it says here 
the Lord of the Rings Amazon series is the most expensive TV show ever made. Woo! For just Damn. one season. Damn. Okay, and so uh, I think the most expensive TV show, I think, actually goes to Game of Thrones. So this would this would top it. Uh, we know that the Lord of the Rings TV series is coming to Amazon. It's going to be a grand in scale. But if these numbers are anything to go by, the budget for the first season eclipses everything else on TV. It says here, we've seen nothing from Amazon's The Lord of the Rings TV show, but it's going to be a series on a scale like nothing else on television if these uh, figures are any, any indication. According to The Hollywood Reporter, the first season of the show has a cost of a whopping $465 million to God produce. God damn, what they making? They, 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 might have, they was better off making a movie. Shit. <laughs> Most movies. Like, how can they possibly make that money back? God damn. Most movies man. cost like what? Like what Avengers Endgame was like $300 million, you know? Yeah. It's like, damn, these are more than like Star Wars and Avengers movies. <laughs> like, what the hell are y'all doing? Like, shit. This shit <laughs> better be the most Amazon epic. Primes you have to you have to like sell to get this back, <laughs> man. Like literally, like this better be the most epic shit I've ever seen in my life. Like I I just can't even comprehend that amount. My bad. Go ahead. <laughs> That's an insane amount of money, especially when it's previously reported that the streaming service would spend roughly five hundred million dollars on multiple seasons of the J.R.R. Tolkien adaptation. Quote: What I can tell you is Amazon is going to spend about six hundred and fifty million dollars. God. In New Zealand, Damn, over half a no, billion. That's New Zealand dollars, by the way. <laughs> I mean, jeez, that's over half a billion dollars. Are you kidding me? Okay, six hundred fifty million New Zealand dollars in season one alone. Oh my god! Now, see, here's the thing: like, if they that that isn't that crazy of a number, if there were that was for like two or three seasons. You see what I'm saying? Like, if that was for like, oh, they they've already you know got the budget for three seasons three or four seasons i'm like okay that that's reasonable you know for a lord of the rings epic show it's like that's reason but for one season right. oh they better hope everybody on the planet watched that fucking show <laughs> It, it had uh, better be for that money, and to put this into perspective for you, a standard season of Game of Thrones cost around $100 million to produce. During its first season, a standard episode cost $6 million, though that rose to about $15 million by those divisive final episodes. So yeah, that's... Uh uh, a lot of money has uh, been spent on sets and costumes, which uh, will be used moving forward, but those production costs are massive, and The Lord of the Rings is a major investment for Amazon. Will it pay off? We'll see. I mean, I, like, really? Like, I, I, and this, and I'm, I was kind of joking, but I'm serious. Like, why not just make a movie then? Like, I don't really get, like, because at least with a movie, you, you know, even if you make a gamble that big, you know, at least with a movie you could get your results back like that. Like you could see how big of a box office hit it is and how much money is projected to make. And, you know, you could at least, you know, know what, you know, what, what you're getting yourself into, but to do a television show, it's like, how do you even make, I don't even see how I can't even fathom them making money. Right. Like I can't even fathom them cutting even to cut even. They got to go over a billion and two <laughs> to cut, like the cut even. So it's like, how do you make an, an extra like nine hundred million dollars to, you know, justify 
getting, you know, making this show. I really can't even comprehend that shit. I mean, like, if you that, think about it, I mean, there mind. are, uh, I would say when it comes to certain prestige, and granted, prestige usually comes cheaper, uh, I will say that. But when it comes to prestige, I think that, like, Amazon is just looking for their branding to be everywhere. Because, like, Amazon doesn't really have a Game of Thrones, like, level. Like, you don't necessarily have to have an Amazon Prime subscription to watch anything that's really, like, amazing or stuff like that. They have shows, but they're not, like, the – they're not talked about shows, I would say that. Right. Um, so if you, Amazon is out here coming out, uh, coming out here and winning Emmys, winning Golden Globes, and being the talk of the town, um, you know, because of uh, the Lord of the Rings, then maybe they're – Maybe what they're paying for it isn't isn't necessarily going to be a return on investment financially, but it could be a return on investment from like uh you know owning the the owning the water cooler talk, owning the uh, the conversation. Yeah, and I I definitely agree with that, and that's why I always defend like Netflix when they you know buy a a, a movie and it's do, for a hundred million dollars or like or just recently fifty million dollars for Knives Out, you know. Yeah, just recently did Knives Out or whatever, but. My thing, my 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 issue with Lord of the Rings, the the issue I have with the, this with this particular amount of money for this particular situation is like Lord of the Rings is so big, it's such a big IP. Like you don't have to spend that much. Like if you spent two hundred million to do the first season, you know, or if you spent a hundred and fifty million to do it, like if you kind of balled on a budget a little bit like <laughs> you could get literally everything they would get from making this lord of the rings show for 600 million they can get all of that like all of that if if they did it for 100 million you see what i'm saying like i don't really understand like you 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 know it's not really like usually if a movie's a movie or whatever if they make a the budget bigger it's for a reason. It's hopefully to make more money back. Like, you know, like we're going to make it more epic. So we're going to add an extra hundred million to the movie to make it more of an epic. And hopefully that could make sense and we get return on investment. But it's like you spend 600 million for a show to get the same results. If you would have did it for a hundred million, like what sense does that make? You see what I mean? So I don't know. I just don't really understand their mindset in terms of that much of money. Like, and I'm a fan of Lord of the Rings and Lord of the Rings. And I guarantee the show is going to be a hit. If it's good, it's going to be a hit. It's Lord of the Rings. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's a huge IP. But I just don't understand that amount of money. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. I, I don't. I'm just I'm just I'm here just I'm here just try, trying to spend it any way I can. But uh, as far as the whole situation. Yeah, I you know what? We win and we benefit at the end because we're gonna be watching. Yeah, yeah, some, we benefit. Like, we're gonna yeah, be watching like some we're epic ass yeah, actions. Epic, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't get. To be honest, if they spend a billion, it's like I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm not spending the money. I'm just trying to enjoy this cool ass shit. So, yes, yeah, spend what y'all want to spend. You know, business wise, it don't make sense to me. But in terms of me just being a person that's viewing it, like, at least we know everything's gonna look as good as a movie. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Even like, better than sure. a movie, I would say. <laughs> yeah, like in terms of money, it's gonna look as good or better than a movie so we're getting a whole sh television show as good as a movie so that's pretty one last dope. thing before we move on is like what, what would you prefer would you prefer that they film the 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 show in the aspect ratio of your tv like full screen 16 by 9 or would you prefer like when you're watching it on your at home with those black cinematic you know top and bottom bars you know, th uh, that that honestly depends on the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, I actually liked the idea of doing that with, uh, like, an epic... Like, Falcon and the Winter just, Soldier is widescreen, even on, like, yeah. you know... 
Yeah, that's widescreen. But for even like Falcon and Winter Soldier, to me, it's not an epic. It's not really like I'm not watching that like just blown away by what I'm seeing. So it really just depends on the show. If the show is like six hundred million dollars worth of badassery and shit, you know, I I want it with the big black bars. You know, what I'm saying and and you know look because it feels more cinematic like a theater. You know what I mean? Yeah. But. I'm honestly one of the guys that I really don't give a shit. Okay. All right. Well, me, for me personally, if, if it's being made uh, for streaming at home, um, I would prefer that it takes up the full screen. So when I'm like watching it on TV, yeah. I don't have the black bars. I'm getting the most picture out of my TV and my setup and everything. But um, I honestly, I could, I really, I'm kind of sort of there with you as well. Like, I mean, I would prefer it, but I really don't mind why, you know, seeing, you know, Falcon yeah. and the Winter Soldier with widescreen or whatever, or Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But I will say, uh, since it is Lord of the Rings, it's probably going to be beneficial to be cinematic in a cinema- mm-hmm. cinematic aspect ratio. So it'll also feel more yeah. epic that way. But anyways... Let's go ahead and move on to the final story. And this one's a doozy. This story broke today, the day of recording this show. So uh, just barely making it in is, uh, comes from Variety, and it's, ex- and it's exclusive since they're the ones reporting it. The Academy is not asking Oscar attendees to wear face masks while the cameras are rolling during the live ceremony on April 25th. That's this coming Sunday. Uh, The news was announced on Monday morning during a Zoom meeting with Academy reps and nominees and a studio and personal publicists. Uh, Because the ceremony held in Union, being held at Union Station in downtown Los Angeles, is being treated as a TV slash film production, masks are not required for people on camera, an Academy staffer explained. However, when when guests are not on camera, they are being asked to wear masks. For example, masks should be put on during commercial breaks. The Academy also revealed that the audience capacity will be limited to 170 people. As Variety first reported earlier this month, audience members will be rotated in and out of the ceremony. Upon arrival to Union Station, nominees will receive a personalized itinerary that outlines what times they they will be rotated in and out. Oscars co-producer Steven Soderborough remained mum on face mask protocol during a press conference with co-producer Jesse Collins and Stacey Scher. He said on Saturday that masks would play a very important role in the story. <laughs> if, that's a crypt, if that's cryptic, it's meant to be, he added. That, to- that topic mm-hmm. is very central to the narrative. Uh, the meeting included a detailed walkthrough of what attendees should expect at Union Station. A, temper- a temperature check will be mandatory. Attendees must also take at least three COVID tests in the day leading up to the ceremony. So, uh, yeah, Troy, is this a good look or not? Uh, I don't think it's that big of a deal only because like if they were saying, you know, you can't, I mean, you don't have to wear a mask period. Like you don't have to wear a mask. Like you could just come, you know, and then they didn't have any protocol to make sure everything is safe. Then it's like they're careless. Right. But I think what they're saying is it's better for television you know, for someone not to have a mask on, you know what I mean? Like it's better for the mics It's better visually, you know? So it's like, if you're, you know, while they're on television, it's like, you just had a mask off for that moment. But like during breaks, if you, or if you leave somewhere or whatever the case is like, wear a mask. I mean, that's similar to what we do on the daily. You know, we have mask off when we're walking around or minding our business or whatever. But then when we go into a store, we'll put it on. So it's, it's the same situation in terms of like, 
you know, at certain times it's time for mass and certain times it's not, you know what I mean? But it do seem like they still, you know, taking it serious. It's just for television, it's like, all right, you could, you know, not wear it for this specific situation. So I don't think it's bad if it look, as it looks. Like, if you read a headline and it's like Oscars uh, will not wear face masks or whatever, it's like, damn. But, like, <laughs> if you break it down, you know, it's not as bad as it seems. I mean, I personally feel like you should wear a mask at all times. If you're going to do some shit in public, you know, you a lot of these people that show up at the Oscars be old people, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's still a danger. It's not like we're good now. It's still, you know, COVID is still a thing. You know what I'm saying? So I personally wouldn't even do the show. But if I did, I'd be like, all right, everybody got to wear a mask at all times. Safety is the number one important thing. Yeah, I'm surprised. But, I'm genuinely surprised that they're not even going to mandate that masks be worn at all times. They're already mandating that you have to show up to the Oscars to receive your Oscar. So that's yeah. number one. So that's yeah. that's like I don't know for that, me. And to me, that's more ridiculous. You see what I mean? Like <laughs> to me, then that it's like, oh, you have to be that that that's the situation where they're saying like you have to be there. Like uh, oh, if you're not gonna be there, then you're not gonna get rewarded. Like to me, that's the more bullshit. To, in my opinion, it's like really I have to risk my life. Like you know what I'm saying? Like are you serious? Yeah, that shit was ridiculous. Yeah, so it's just kind of like the Oscars are definitely on some ho shit. Like I mean, between yeah. that and this, like I actually kind of like disagree. Like, like this is like it, it, you might you might as well not even wear face masks at all if you're going to just only put on the face masks during commercial breaks or when you're not on camera, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you, uh, you, with the, with audience members being over a hundred people and you've got so many like movie stars and producers and all these other nominees and, and all these presenters and stuff like that, there, there's going to be upwards of at least 300 people mi minimum, if not more there. Mm -hmm. So the fact that, you know, you, Oh, okay. It's okay. Just, just take your masks off and stuff like that. Smile for the camera. no, that's that's okay. That's two prong. Number one, it's not being safe there, and also number two, you're basically sort of telling the world when you're broadcasting it that COVID's over. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like yeah. that's a that's a bad mark, and I just that's a bad look. And um, I, I just this is this is not not a I'm not very I'm not a fan of it because it's like I get that sometimes when you're gonna go out to a restaurant and you're gonna go eat, you have to take the mask off and stuff like that. This is not that. You know what I mean? So it's a bit of a like a. Uh, you know, one thing is not like the other. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I just, I, all I hope is that everyone, you know, is safe and, you know, obviously they're, they're doing their temperature checks and their COVID tests and everything like that. I'm, I'm glad that there's precautions. I'm glad that, you know, they're saying that safety is a, is a primary concern, but they're yeah. not executing it properly in my opinion. I mean, I, I, I agree with you for the most part, but the, the, I will, I'll just say this, like, you know, you, you just brought up restaurants, right? Like, for a person to go in a restaurant, you know what I'm saying, like, and everyone's eating, every table that's there and with people filled in that restaurant, 90% of them aren't wearing a mask because you only got to wear a mask to come inside the restaurant, right? Yeah. And this Oscar telecast, they're saying only while on camera. That's actually more rare than you think. Like, it's like, okay, you're going to have something to say, uh, you're going to present, so you don't wear a mask while you present. You know what I'm saying? So they don't wear a mask while they present. 
right after they present, they're not on camera no more. They put their mask back on. Or someone's performing. The person that's doing the stand-up and doing the performing. He's performing. He doesn't have his mask on while he's doing whatever his uh, opening act is. You know what I'm saying? Uh, as soon as he's done, you know, he t puts his mask on. Someone comes to present. I mean, someone comes to get their award. They take their mask off while they get their award because that's on television. And then, boom, that person put their mask on. So, to me, it's not as bad because it's like the vast majority of the time, you're, people aren't on television when you watch the Oscars. It's just the people that doing something specific. You see what I'm saying? But I, overall, I agree with what you're saying. I, I'm not like disagreeing, but I, my point is that it's not as bad as, to me, as last week's news or the week before that when they said you have to attend. To me, that is like a slap in the face to everybody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So... It, it, it to me like remember like remember my opinion i still felt like they shouldn't even have the oscars this year i felt like they should have yeah. skipped the oscars and maybe combined it with next year's oscars or something else or maybe pushed it out like six months back or something you know but but hey it is what it is okay all right let's go ahead and move on to the extra news uh we got 10 headlines here number one she hulk has officially begun shooting number two a live action gundam movie is coming to netflix and the next couple are going to be casting news. Number three, Lucy Liu casts as villain for Shazam Fury of the Gods. Number five, number four, Indiana Jones 5 adds Mads Mikkelsen as villain. Number five, Aquaman 2 adds Game of Thrones star Pilou Asbeck. Number six, Last of Us HBO series adds Ga Gabriel Luna as Tommy. Number seven, original Predator writer sues Disney to take back the, to take back the rights. Number eight, Vin Diesel to star in a movie version of Rock'em Sock'em Game. Number nine, of Olivia Coleman in talks to join Secret Invasion series at Disney+. And number 10, Godzilla vs. Kong crosses the $80 million mark at the U.S. box office. So, Troy, you see these headlines. Is there anything here that catches your attention? Yeah, uh, She-Hawk, you know, beginning the, the film is, uh, is crazy because it's official. Now. I mean, like, it's beneficial, but it's like, Man, we're actually gonna see She-Hulk in like in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That still kind of blows my mind. You know what I mean? And I just I'm so curious how they're gonna make that work. Just because it's like some stuff just to me don't fit in like live action. Like She-Hulk is so dope in the cartoons that are in the comics, but I just can't picture the, it live action. So, but it's it's Marvel, so they're gonna figure it out. So I, I'm just glad they're shooting, and I can't wait to see how that's gonna be. Um, Lucy Liu cast as a villain like that to me that's it don't get better in terms of casting you know what I mean like she's such a badass she's so cool great actress and uh, I'm like I'm excited to see that and uh, Godzilla vs. Kong hitting 80 million man like that it's just trips me out how successful this movie is and you know coming out in a pandemic and on HBO Max it's like this movie is basically not, I ain't gonna say free, but anybody that got HBO Max can just watch the movie. So for it to still do these numbers, it's kind of showing that a people want to go to the theaters, and uh, it also shows that uh, Godzilla vs Kong is just a huge hit, regardless. So those are the ones that uh, stand out to me. Yeah, I hope that Godzilla vs Kong crosses the one hundred million dollar mark in the U.S. Um, and also, just wanted to say that Lucy Liu, her character that she's being cast as, is her name is. Uh, her character's name is Calypso, and she's going to be the the sister of Helen Mirren's character. So it's going to be two villains. That's so dope. And what's kind of funny is like you know 
one of the things that I was thinking about is with Helen Mirren being cast as the villain is, you know, she's an, she's an older lady and now it makes sense to like bring in Lucy Liu who's younger and can handle the more physicality. So, mm. uh, that would be interesting. And, uh, also just, uh, as far as the, the predator story, I think that's really interesting that, you know, the screenwriter, uh, for the original predator movie, he wants the rights back. And it's just, it's so interesting that, you know, with Disney having bought Fox, you know, and Fox, um, Disney inherited the rights from Fox and now it's like, nah, <laughs> they're like, yeah. I, I want to yeah. see how this pans out. And I'm actually kind of, yeah, me too. That situation is weird only because it's like, I don't know the, the ins and outs of it, but it's like, you know, Disney, like, look, man, I, damn, I just inherited this shit. Like this mine now, you know what I mean? But they, they, you know, those original creators are like, look, we have our rights to our shit back. So that's one of them things where I don't really know who's going to be in the wrong in that situation. So I, I'm curious to see how that pans out. Yeah. Um, so apparently uh, when it comes to this, uh, there's some like apparently like some U.S. law statutes or whatever, like saying that whenever like um, a movie is over th- or something, a work is over 35 years old and like the original creators can revoke the rights you know, granted, you know, something like that. So, and that's a trip. Cause I never knew that. Like, I thought like once you sell that shit, it's not yours no more, you know, but it, that's really, and that's really a cool thing too, because like a lot, it's so many people that get just straight ripped off. You know what I'm saying? Like if someone offer you, I don't know, $30,000 for your screenplay, like at the time, you know, $30,000, like damn, just for something I wrote, like that's a lot of money, but you know, if that goes on to be one of the biggest hits ever and people are making billions of dollars and hundreds of millions of dollars, you like you looking at that 30,000 like, damn, this ain't nothing I, for what I created. Like people are literally rich off of it, you know, so it's cool that people get another chance at, you know, their material, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I also just wanted to give a shout out to Gabriel Luna. I love I love Gabriel Luna. He's really dope. Uh he was in. Uh, he was ghostwriter in Marvel's Agents of Shield. Um, he was also uh, the villain in, in, Tar- in Termin- Terminator: Dark Fate, but we don't really talk about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's. Uh, he was in True Detective, and uh, you know what's kind of interesting is that he kind of does look like he would be the brother, just like facially, facial uh, wise. Yeah, he looks yeah. like uh, he would be related to Pedro Pascal. Yeah, so. yeah, it seems that seems like that'll work. Uh, and I want to give a quick shout out. Godzilla vs Kong has. Uh, almost hit 400 million it's at 390 and it passed godzilla king of the monsters which came out while there wasn't a pandemic so it's like damn that's crazy damn all right uh well that's uh that's the extra news so let's go ahead and move on to uh to check this out so we got a lot going on for check this out here uh there's a lot of trailers that dropped within the last week Hell of a lot of trailers, and the biggest trailer dropped today, day of recording, uh, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And uh, I gotta say, this uh, this trailer will be looking like Marvel be going after like a Jet Li movie. They're trying to, or not Jet, <laughs> Jet Li, not, fucking Bruce Lee. God damn it! Why can't I talk? <laughs> it looks like a Bruce Lee movie. It looks like if like Enter the Dragon was made with CGI. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am digging this, and I can't believe that this movie got delayed to September. You know. Uh, I think it was supposed to be coming out when the same day as Black Widow when it, you know, Black Widow inherited its release date. So, yeah, uh, yeah um, I'm very, I'm very uh, uh, happy that they're making this movie and we're finally getting to see the Mandarin 
in uh, in the MCU because the Mandarin was te- teased way back, even in like as far back as Iron Man Iron three, Man. whenever yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, that fake Mandarin you know was was posing yeah. as him and stuff like that. So they're finally gonna do it justice. And uh, what did you think of this trailer? Man, I thought this trailer was badass. Like, it's dope because I feel like these, this is the what Marvel needs to do. You know, like, the Chang-Chi, it didn't feel like nothing we've seen before. And I think that's a good thing. Like, the, the more that these superhero movies start coming out from DC, from Marvel, from any other studio, like, it, it's very important that they start to feel different or not feel the same. Like, we're getting repetitive movies that we've seen before just as a different character like this seems like something unique and different you know and it just it's badass like you said it seems like some bruce lee shit or some uh jackie chan shit you know what i'm saying it was really cool so i i'm digging like what i seen in the trailer shout out to aquafina as well uh, oh yeah aquafina had a funny ass line in the trailer <laughs> she's in uh uh of course ryan the last dragon and she you know she broke out i would say with crazy rich asians so yeah she's blowing up as an actress it's crazy that i never thought of her being like an actress and she's really good too so it's that's a trip yeah so yeah this is this is a this is gonna be something to look out for uh a, a lot of actually dope ass trailers came out this week uh army of the dead on for netflix that's a Zack snyder joint uh starring uh starring dave batista and yeah. this uh, this movie looks crazy, and this trailer was actually good. Like the first trailer yeah. is was like kind of bad, and now they look kind of generic. But this one, they actually they actually tried. Uh, yeah. So yeah. check out that trailer yeah. if you haven't already. And, do you- and it, it looks it looks like it's just pure like fun and action. It's like it's it's one of those turn your brain off and just enjoy what you see type of movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, it's going to be uh, uh, coming out on Netflix, and uh, I believe, oh yeah, it says right here, uh, May 21st, and it's going to be out in select theaters as well, which is probably means like L.A. and New York is what that yeah. probably means when they say select theaters. Uh, the other trailer, the other badass trailer was uh, uh, Fast and Furious 9, F9. Oh my God, this trailer is, they're going to space. <laughs> I love it. Dude, this is this is like they always they're always like you know like one one upping themselves, and it's even kind of funny when Tyrese's character like he's out here like you know saying he's like man we fought a tank we fought a submarine you know like that's it's so awesome, and then also they're bringing back uh, the guys from Tokyo Drift. Bow Wow is in the movie, and like you know I was like yeah. this is awesome. Uh, do you have anything to say about uh, about uh, F nine and say only good things? Yeah, it's it's uh it's it's topped the the last one. I mean, you know, I can only say good things. Yeah, it tops the last one for sure in terms of excitement. Yeah, and in a sequel that nobody asked for, the Hitman's wife's bodyguard. So. <laughs> Yeah, the Hitman's Bodyguard was an old movie, or like a, a couple of years ago, and I completely forgot yeah. that that movie even existed. Me too. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I had to rethink of like, I'm like, dang, I know the name as you're saying it, but what is this the sequel to? And I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Hitman's Bodyguard was Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson, and now it's the Hitman's wife's bodyguard where they're back, and then now they brought back, they brought in Selma Hayek as well. So that's just funny because like. Why do a sequel to this? Like, from my understanding, that movie wasn't a big hit. Like, I don't like they did the sequel as if like people were waiting for this shit. Like, <laughs> didn't don't nobody care about this shit? Like, I mean, I, I'm I'm not saying it's gonna suck or nothing, no, nothing against it, but I'm just saying it's like no one cared about 
a sequel to this. It's like really, and on top so of that, you're just... releasing during COVID, so it's like, then, yeah, it's like like you like it was just mandatory. Like, look, people want this movie, we gotta drop it in COVID. It's like push this shit back two years. Who cares? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yeah, and some other cool trailers that I found. Uh, something called The Waterman. It looks kind of like Bridge to Terabithia esque. Um, so. It, it's gonna be. Uh, it's ta- it has Rosario Dawson, and uh, I know he. I know you know who David Oyelowo is. How do you say his yeah, name for yeah. me? Oh yeah, Oyelowo. There we go. There, uh, that's it. Yeah. So they're in it, and it's about a boy who's uh, who's searching for uh, for the water man. He's like this like myth of sorts, um, and they're they're trying. The, the water man can like you know is the key to he has the key to immortality, and so he's wanting to get to the water man so that way he can cure his mom. Uh, of cancer and so oh shit i'm gonna have to check that out like that sounds pretty solid like and then i like those actors in it I, I didn't even know about it at all so i'm gonna have to check that out yeah it's coming out in theater uh, i don't know if it's coming out to theaters in may or if it's coming out to on demand um in may or digital or whatever but it's coming out next month um the next one is gonna be a uh, writers of justice and uh it's a um, it's not a. I'm not sure if it's a foreign film, but it's definitely in another language, um, and it stars uh, Mads Mikkelsen. And I don't know what language he's speaking, but uh, there, there he is. He's in it, and it's um, it's uh, like a drama esque uh, action. Type. It's kind of like a, if a Liam Neeson movie, but in another, another language is the best way I can explain it. Yeah. Um, it's going to be out in select theaters in New York and LA on May, May 14th, and it'll be available everywhere on May 21st. Have you seen this trailer? No, I haven't seen it. It sounds generic, though. <laughs> it kind of is. It kind of is. But, you know, the only reason why I wanted to shout it out is because it's Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, the next story, the next thing up I have pulled up is uh, something from Collider. They have some tweets on the article, and it's just basically a picture of Christian Bale, and he's bald. He's He shaved his head yeah. for Thor. I've seen that. Yeah, I've seen that for uh, Thor Love and Thunder. Like, I actually like that they, he did that because it's like, to me, Christian Bale is too, like, of a star. So it's like... For him to be in this kind of movie, I'm just like, uh, I feel like I'm going to be seeing Christian Bell. But, like, him with a shaved head and his acting ability, I'm going to be kind of, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, seeing the villain. You know what I mean? I th- and I believe he's playing a villain, yes, if I'm yes. not mistaken. Yeah, so I'm going to actually be like, oh, that's not Christian Bell. That's not Batman here. This is whoever the villain is. So i seen it. It, it looks He looks funny with his shit shaved, but I think it'll work. I wonder if they're gonna like do like CGI hair or whatever, you know, like. Yeah, that might be. You know, they might have some put some dots or some shit on them or something. Yeah. I, I hope it's not hair. Like, I hope it's, you know, a CGI like look or something. But I hope it ain't hair. Like, hair never looks right CGI to me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so, I actually didn't even know this, but in uh, um, Captain Marvel, not Captain Marvel, uh, in Avengers Endgame, uh, damn, I can't remember the name of the actress that plays uh, uh, Carol Denver's. Damn. Okay. Well, anyways, Captain Marvel in Avengers Endgame, uh, she was her hair was CGI. So. Oh, Brie Larson. Brie Larson, yeah. So, Damn. Yeah, her long her flowy her, her long flowing oh. hair in space was CGI. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I could like like yeah for that I could tell. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> it, it, like when I I remember watching it like I you could tell that something ain't right. You know what hmm. I'm saying? Like it just didn't look right, but. All right. I don't know. Okay, and the last thing here is just a, a shout out to a YouTube channel. I should have I forgot to give it a shout out last week during check this out, so I'm doing it now. Uh, the YouTube channel is called uh, Film Theory uh, or the Film Theorists, um, and basically he did a film theory where he gave a, and I actually like it. I really I I want it to be canon. It's like he gave a film theory as to how both 
the Snyder Cut and the Justice League, how they both can be canon at the same time. And I'm like, dope. <laughs> so uh, it's a really good explanation about how he broke down, um, you know, uh, plot points and and beats that were like written into uh, you know BVS and uh, yeah. making it work so that both films can be simultaneously canon and uh, mm. and I actually kind of wish that like DC would come out and just you know if they were to continue for, forth with the Snyderverse and restore the Snyderverse you can basically have it so that they're both canon and they both work so mm. yeah that's uh, uh, I have the link of course going to be in the show notes uh, I don't know have you watched this uh, film theory uh, Troy no oh no no I haven't watched that um, but that seems interesting I'm gonna have to check that out because it's like you know that's one of the big problems like I think for the universe to like continue on based off what you know how they're doing it like the 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 weed and cut has to be canon for that universe to work but the movie that everyone likes and want to go off of is the Snyder Cut. <laughs> so, like, that's kind of where the problem is. It's like, you know what I'm saying? So I, I'm interested in seeing how, like, both of them, because if you can make both of them canon, then you can, you know, go either direction. So Yeah. Okay. Let's go ahead and move on. It's time for topic of the show. So, uh, for topic of the show this week, I actually kind of want it to be a little bit more chill and more relaxed, you know. Today, uh, the day this episode posts, is April 20th, a.k.a. 420. So, we're going to do a topic of the show about the best stoner movies. Ha ha! <laughs> I like that. Yeah, so, uh, this the name of this episode, I'm going to call it on the timeline when you're like, watching and you're clicking on it. It's going to be called The 420 Special or something like that, so... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think we could just be a little fun. We don't necessarily have to harp on too long or go too long on this uh, on this one. But uh, I have uh, I pulled up uh, Wikipedia. So surprisingly, Wikipedia has a list of every stoner film, and uh, I think that's really awesome. So that makes it easier <laughs> for me when because I, I was going to compile the list myself, but Wikipedia did it for me. So it says here. <laughs> The stoner film is a subgenre of comedy film that revolves around the recreational use of cannabis. Generally, cannabis use is one of the main themes and inspires much of the plot. Or the pot. <laughs> ah, the pot. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. No, I had to. Funny. Uh, okay. I, damn it, I was laughing at my own joke. Okay. They are often represented. <laughs> I can't. That shit was, I ain't gonna lie. That was a good one, though. That one was funny. Like, <laughs> he said the pot. <laughs> I can't. Oh my god, I, that was. Oh my god, I'm laughing. I, I can't. I can really I'm sorry. Said, I, I I had yeah, to. I literally it, thought of like, it on the spot. If you think about it, stoner movies are more about the pot than the plot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Okay. okay. Oh, All right. Man. They are often representative of cannabis culture. Uh, stoner film as a genre. The series of movies from 1978 to 1985 starring Cheech and Chong are, 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 are archetypal stoner movies. The historic film Briefer Madness in 1936 has also become uh, has also uh, become popular as a stoner movie because of its anti-drug message is seen by some modern viewers as so over the top that the film amounts to self-parody. 
Other examples include Assassin of Youth in 1937, Marijuana in 1936, and She Should Have Said No, a.k.a. The Devil's Weed in 1949. Playing uh, playing on such parody, a musical comedy remake set in 1936, as the original film was, Reefer Madness was released in 2005. High Times Magazine regularly sponsors the Stony Awards to celebrate stoner films and television. Uh, many of these films do not film the, uh, fit the category of stoner film as a subgenre, but enough contain but contain enough cannabis used to be deemed noteworthy by the periodical. Common elements. Many stoner movies have certain elements and themes in, in common. The template involves a protagonist or protagonists, often two friends, and a variation of the buddy film who have, who have or are attempting to find marijuana and have, to com have some task to complete. Often stoner films involve evading authority figures, sometimes law enforcement agents, who are portrayed as comically inept, but also parents, coworkers, friends, and security guards who disapprove of the protagonist's marijuana usage, uh, usually out of a great, greater lack of acceptance of their lifestyle of leisure and innocence. Uh, most serious moments are intended ironically, often to parody outright counterparts in mainstream cinemas. So yeah, that's so hilarious uh, as uh, is the stoner films and stuff like that. Generally speaking, uh, most stoner uh, films, you can actually just get high and watch them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, they're so like, you know, uh, chill and uh, and it's actually kind of funny is that this very list one of them uh, is an Academy Award nominee do you know which mm. one it is Academy Award nominee yeah um, I'm not dazed and confused <laughs> no I'll, I'll, I'll reveal it later but for now uh, I just wanted to go ahead and go through this list and sort of like you know shout out you know what are the uh, the, the, the stoner movies that you've seen or, you know, want to give a, you know, talk about, uh, like I've seen a lot of them here. Like I see, uh, the fast times at Ridgemont high dazed and confused, uh, Friday, yeah. uh, yeah. don't be a menace to South central while drinking your juice in the hood. Uh, the clerks movies, pretty much every Judd Apatow movie, like, um, uh, let's see here. Let me think a Judd Apatow movie, like. Uh, this is the end from 2013. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I see Super Troopers on here. I see uh, Harold and Kumar uh, go to White Castle. A very Harold and Kumar Christmas and uh, uh, Escape from Guantanamo Bay. So those are the Her the Harold and Kumar trilogies. Uh, I see Clerks, and of course you can't forget about um, the uh, was it uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Mm. And uh, also I see a Dave Chappelle movie Half Baked. Uh, yeah. Ashton Kutcher <laughs> and Sean William Scott, Dude, Where's My Car? <laughs> so uh, have you seen any of these movies, and what are your thoughts on them? Where would you rank yeah, them? Yeah, I've seen, I seen most of them that you named. Actually, like, so there, for me, there's two. It's, it's my favorite, and then it's who, which one I think actually is the best. So okay. it's like my personal bias favorite, and then the one I think actually is the best stoner movie ever made. Okay, so go for it. My my personal favorite is Friday. You know, I mean, <laughs> like I think that's gonna be if you ask most people in the world, they're gonna say Friday. Friday is one of the most popular, um, you know, stoner movies of all time. It's hilarious. Chris Tucker. That's yeah. That's literally like it catapulted chris tucker's career and it's literally them smoking all day like that's like but it's a solid movie too you like got it, peanut it butter but as, no jelly <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's it's, it's extremely funny and what, so quotable. what i like what i like exactly is quotable and what i like about it is like everybody done seen friday from like the hood dudes the nerds the 
anybody in the world that seen like Friday. Like it's one of those movies that bring everyone together. Like, you know, you got certain people that only watch certain type of movies, but like everybody watch Friday. And I think that's what I love about Friday. Shout out to the shout out to you got knocked the fuck out fuck out <laughs> yeah I honestly think it's my, maybe one of the most quoted movies ever like and there's so many quoted shout out to by Felicia by Felicia gotta be yeah that like it's it's funny as hell man like how like it, how quotable it is you know um so yeah that that one I think is my favorite now the one I think is the best of all time and, and I I just mentioned it, mentioned it um and you did as well uh Dazed and Confused I think Dazed and Confused is the best stoner movie of all time it's it's not as much a stoner movie but it is a stoner movie and it's the best movie so I think like in terms of like if you want to enjoy something like stone for like specifically stoner situations there's other movies you could watch where it's like you know like half baked or you know uh you, uh slackers or like it's so many other you know movies where it's like more about st- being a stoner but Days and Confused does count as a stoner movie and I think it is the best movie out of all of them I mean it is a true masterpiece like Days and Confused is a truly great film so it's like I, I think that's like the best one. If you had to, in terms of quality, it's the best movie, stoner movie ever made. And shout but, out to uh, the I cast like Clerks. of Days and Confused as well. You got Jason London, Ben Affleck, Mia Yovovich. Yeah, it's so many movie people like like McConaughey. Yeah, like uh, you know, all right, all right, all right. That's <laughs> literally where that come from. Like, like that movie is where you get the all right, all right, all right. You know, and like. So many people, that was so many of their first film. Ben Affleck, uh, Matthew McConaughey, they literally, uh, it was like their first film. They met somebody in Austin, and that's the film they did. So it's a it's a classic, you know. I love that movie. And uh, I got to shout out Clerks as well. I love that movie as, as well. So, But, yeah, that those are the ones that stand out. But it's so many, you know. Like, stoner movies, it's funny because I'm not a stoner. Like, I've never been a stoner but i love stoner movies because they give you a vibe where sometimes you're like you know when you're chilling with the friends and it's like let's just watch something where we could chill and laugh like we ain't gotta pay attention too much or analyze anything let's just chill and and have a fun time and uh that's why i love stoner movies so yeah for sure shout out to how high <laughs> how high <laughs> how high man that like that's one of the funny ones, and uh, Soul Plane. Yeah, Soul like, Pl- oh my god, dude, Soul yeah. Plane was the was wrong, man. They were out here <laughs> feeding chicken and stuff, and telling them to pass like these terrible napkins and stuff. Like, hey, like it's so funny, like like movies don't don't do that no more. Just a straight up racism. Sometimes, <laughs> like sometimes racism is just the funniest shit. Like at the end of the day, you know, and like we live in this world now where it's, it's such cancel culture. Like people are scared to be racist, like they need to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, like sometimes that straight racist shit be the funniest shit. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I watch Soul Plane and crack the fuck up. Oh my god, you know, I've been laughing racing. so much. I can't. I'm just remembering all the scenes on Soul Plane and stuff like that with Kevin Hart and and Snoop Dogg. Yeah. You know, they handing out chicken and shit. Like, you got the little white boy Sharing turning his black. Caring. Like, yeah, man, it, it, that that movie is a funny ass movie, man. <laughs> Uh, shout out to Paul, uh, which was the alien movie where Seth Rogen is an oh, alien. Oh, Paul. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't even thought about that as a stoner movie. But yeah, it definitely is. Uh, shout out sure. to Ted. Uh, you know, Ted, Seth yeah. MacFarlane Ted. and the teddy bear and stuff. That was so yeah. hilarious. So good. 
Uh, good movie as well. Ted was a really good movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even sure. Like, I can't even like if I'm looking at the list and stuff. I can't even tell you what I think is like my favorite of the Stoner uh, films. But I will, I will try to you know sort of, kind of like uh, zero in on one particular is I think might be the best Stoner movie. Which again is like very subjective. Like I can't you know I would say yeah. the best Stoner film simply because it's an Academy Award nominated movie. Is Pineapple Express. Ah, that's a good one. Damn, I didn't even think about that. Pineapple Express did get nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, right? he, Damn. Uh, uh, James Franco, nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Damn, Pineapple Express. Oh, God damn it. I just pulled up the Wikipedia. I was wrong. He was nominated for the Golden Globe. Fuck. Ah. Oh, man. That shit don't even count, man. The Golden Globe, that took away all the fucking, like, glory of that, man. How how did I get that wrong? I remember watching the ceremony. I watched both the Golden Globes and the Oscars. I could have sworn he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, but he was. It was just the Golden Globes. Oh uh, man, damn! That took away all the like. But I mean, I Pineapple Express is fun. It, it's crazy because that was one hell of a performance. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? It wouldn't have shocked me if it did get an Oscar nomination. But damn, man, like damn, that sucks. Because the Golden Globes, that don't mean shit. Ah, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So, but Pineapple Express was definitely one of the funniest movies. It yeah, was so much. That shit is so fun. So much happening as far as the action, and it does do the whole like uh, the 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 tropes and stuff like that. But also yeah. did its own thing. It's very unique, and I don't think really, I can't think of something that's really copied it since. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, generally speaking, like Judd Apatow movies and like like Pineapple Express, like This Is the End. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say pretty much everything like Knocked Up is even on this list as well. Like uh, yeah. pretty much everything like that is definitely gonna be on there. Uh, not on this one, not on this list, but I think needs to be on this list was a, a was another Seth Rogen movie. Uh, it was called Observe and Report. So uh, I never seen that one. Uh, but yeah, uh, that was that. This is this was a very fun ass. Um, uh, a topic of the yeah. show, or yeah, if yeah. I would say, and uh, yeah, go and watch some of these movies. Um, for sure, and if you ever want to have a good time, man, and just chill, watch a stoner movie, yeah. Um, but yeah, okay, let's go ahead and uh, and finish out or the next or go to the next segment. Let's go to Netflix and chill, all right. So, for Netflix and chill, we do the uh, the charts and we give a recommendation of what you can watch on a streaming service. So let's first start off with the Netflix chart. The top 10 at number one is Synchronic, which actually debuted uh, this past Friday on Netflix, which is what I when I talked about during last week's show. Uh, when I was like noticing, I called them out too, by the way. Synchronic did this thing where they put themselves at 99 cents on iTunes last week, and it jumped up to the top 10 on iTunes just to get that last little bit of money before they go essentially free yeah, on Netflix. Free on Netflix. <laughs> that was actually a smart idea, though. Uh, so, um, yeah, that's that. Number two is The Baker and the Beauty. Number three is that Jamie Foxx, uh, I think it's a reality show, I'm not gonna, but it's, uh, it's called Dad, Stop Embarrassing Me. Uh, number four is Thunder Force. Number five is Why Did You Kill Me? Number six is The Circle, a social media competition. Number seven, Coco Melon. Number eight, Who Killed Sarah? Number nine, Nikki Ricky Dicky Don. That's, mm-hmm. that's an interesting title. Number 10 <laughs> is The Serpent. So... Troy, you see this list. Uh, what do you think of the list? Well, uh, for, I got to give a shout out to the best movie on this list. And uh, I don't know why it's 
not number one, but uh, Thunder Force. It was yeah. number one uh, last week when you missed out. Thunder Force. It, it, it should be number one ten weeks in a row. <laughs> uh, no, nah, I'm just kidding. That one of the worst movies I've seen this year. Uh, maybe the worst movie I've seen this year. Thunder Force is atrocious. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I don't think no one should watch it honestly like it is terrible um but yeah so there's that but uh you know a lot of these uh, stuff i've seen coco melon i like that you know what i'm saying and uh i want to see the, the, the that jamie fox um whatever that whatever the fuck Dad, it is stop i don't embarrassing know me. i think i think it's something yeah. where he's like messing with his daughter or something like that as far as like yeah i think it, i think it's more like a docu-series or something i don't know but i want to see it like it, it seems interesting and i'm a jamie fox fan so yeah, yeah. i i wanted to watch synchronic but i didn't get a chance to but uh my, my one of my my brother or my, my niece and nephew they saw like the first 20 minutes of it and they said it was boring so that's that's no bueno uh but as far as uh, everything else it's like Netflix be like okay. Netflix be weird at times because they be putting out some. Not, the, the the first off the list shifts so quick so quickly, but also number two, it's like they really like these like crime dramas like Why Did You Kill Me and stuff like that. There's there's always another crime mm-hmm. drama that takes that, that that takes the place of a next the last week's crime drama. So um, yeah, yeah, um, it's very interesting that they're so fickle and stuff like that. Like even like uh, Concrete Cowboy is off the list now and stuff like that. Like these things, these movies tend to come and go really fast. So. It's funny, like I, I haven't seen a lot of these, but like it's funny how like. A little kid, sh- like a little kid, literally like a little kid movie is is probably the best movie on the top ten. Like Coco Melon is literally for kids, but it's like really good actually in terms of like, uh, in terms of the story and all that. It's like what the fuck? So, and they stayed. I mean, it's been on the list since like I want to say since we started the show. It hasn't left the list. Like I don't know. Really? I know we be. I keep on saying that name every every weekend and week out. Um, yeah, yeah. It's. A, I mean, it's a damn good show. Like, I can understand that being a hit for all the kids around the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, so uh, yeah. It's like Coco yeah, Melon sure. is like the new tenant <laughs> when it comes. To- yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, all right. Well, speaking of which, let's go ahead and move on to the iTunes charts. Number one is Promising Young Woman. Number two is City of Lies. Number three is News of the World. Wonder. Uh, number four is Wonder Woman eighty four. Number five is Tron Legacy. Number six is Breach. Number seven is Raya and the Last Dragon. Number eight is Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Number nine is The Vault. And number 10 is 47 Ronin. Um, And also just, I just wanted to throw this out here because, you know, we did the whole stoner, the stoner comedy, uh, the stoner film uh, for the topic of the show. I noticed that at number 11 uh, is The Big Lebowski. Mm, damn man that shit should have been in the number top 10 man what the <laughs> hell is itunes and them doing like <clears throat> that's a, literally a classic like and but but you got shit like uh tron legacy up there what the hell is going yeah, what's on what's it called you both of them star uh jeff bridges by the way what tron? oh really jeff bridges is in tron legacy and the big lebowski he's the dude oh shit oh yeah i, I haven't seen that movie in so damn long i forgot about he that. was de-aged at the beginning and everything so oh yeah i forgot all about that yeah what what a coincidence <laughs> but yeah i I mean i don't mind tron legacy being in the top 10 but it's just like really like in the top five and then you got the big lebowski not even hitting the top 10 that's crazy and then wonder woman 1984 like that that movie came out of nowhere and it's been 
you know, in the top five, top ten for a few weeks now. I was like, where the hell that shit come so from? So I actually had an explanation last week on last week's show is that Wonder Woman 84 – um, it exited its premium video on demand period. So for and it was on the top ten list prior right, when the when the show first started. We were talking about Wonder Woman eighty four being in the top ten. It was being sold for twenty dollars a pop, and then it exited Damn. the top ten. And then it, the reason why it re-entered the top ten is now it's because it's that rental rent regular rental period of five ninety nine. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. So people are now buying it for six bucks instead of the twenty. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's kind of funny that like uh, you know, four twenty is maybe maybe the Big Lebowski will be like in the top ten tomorrow. You know what I mean? These these lists, yeah. Refresh these lists, yeah. They refresh daily. Uh, these are not yeah, a, not especially the on iTunes. They're so like uh, random. So yeah, <laughs> we talked about the uh, the last time when you were on the show. We talked about like all those religious ass movies and stuff like that because movies, of Easter. Yeah. Yeah, right around Easter, like people start literally going to buy them type of movies. That shit funny as hell. Uh, all right, next up is going to be the Amazon uh, list, the top ten. Uh, debuting at number one is Nobody. Number two is The Courier, which is uh, and also debuting as well. Uh, debuting at number two, which was the uh, Benedict Cumberbatch movie. Number three is Tom and Jerry. Number five. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like you were about to defend it, but then you was like, "Ah, oh, nah, I can't, I can't." <laughs> uh, number four is Chaos Walking, also trash. Trash, another trash. Goddamn. <laughs> number five is Raya and the Last Dragon. Number six is Promising Young Woman. Number seven is The Crudes and New Age. Number eight is Greenland. Number nine is The Father, and at number ten is Judas and the Black Judas and the Black Messiah. I actually like they list. Like Amazon list seems more like a coherent list. Yeah. Like it makes more sense. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like even even like movies like Tom and Jerry, which is trash, but it is still a new movie. You know what I'm saying? And like a kid will still watch that. So like I I understand that being in the top three, top five. Like I feel like iTunes that shit be just random. But like you looking at like t- t- uh, at number ten, Judas and the Black Messiah. That's a good movie. Like I see why that's on there. You know, Greenland. You know, Promising Young Woman makes it in like all these lists. Really, you know what I'm saying? But like I just this list makes more sense to me. Like yeah, I agree. Uh, it's like with Netflix, it feels like it's just a bunch of random words, and with iTunes, it's mm-hmm. like you know, it's like so much flavor of the week and stuff like. What holidays happening kind of thing yeah whereas yeah. amazon it's like you know what's hot what's new you know it's like yeah. you know these things just dropped i think tom and jerry mm-hmm. this is uh, also debuted because it wasn't last week because it just finally exit uh, entered its rental period so three the top mm-hmm. three just entered the rental period so that makes sense yeah. um but yeah um it's it's um it's definitely the most straightforward i would say but for me uh, I'm gonna go ahead and do my recommendation for the week, and I wanted to stick with the uh, the stoner film motif. Uh, so I don't think this is necessarily a stoner film because they don't really smoke pot in the movie, but it definitely is one of those movies that you can you know smoke weed and hang out and chill to with some and friends. Yeah, it's called Thirty Minutes or Less, and it yeah. stars uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Aziz Ansari and. Um, um, Michael Pena and uh, Danny McBride, as well as a bunch of other names, um, and it's very, it's it's very hilarious. It's I remember laughing so hard when watching this movie in the movie theater. I want to say this movie came out in like 2011. I could be wrong about the year, uh, but um, 
Yeah, the the there was so uh, so many good moments that like where Michael Pena was stealing the show, where he was like, you know, looking at the mirror and he's like, "I'm a pimp," you know, like that kind of stuff. So, um, <laughs> he's always funny as hell, man. Yeah, so that's my recommendation. Thirty minutes or less, you can watch it on Netflix right now. Okay, uh, that's what's up, Troy? Your recommendation for the week? Yeah, mine is uh again I've been on this um, Paul Thomas Anderson marathon, so mine is uh the master. I just found out that that's on Netflix. I never seen that on Netflix before, so I'm assuming that like it just hit Netflix. But uh, I mean uh, H uh yeah Netflix yeah Netflix yeah so um and uh yeah man the master is is really good. It's a really damn good movie. I've actually it's funny because. I was going to review it because I'm like, man, I'm going to review The Master because it was good. I enjoyed it. I haven't seen it in a while. And then I realized I looked at my YouTube. I already got a review for this movie on my channel and I forgot like all about it. I'm like, damn, I'm glad I didn't record <laughs> record a whole YouTube video and then realize I already had it. But yeah, The Master is just a, a character study starring Joaquin Phoenix, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Amy Adams. All three of them got Oscar nominations. They were that good. And uh, the movie was just, it's, it's really about a, a war vet that kind of deals with the war. And then he kind of falls into a cult. And it's like, it's it's really interesting and different. But uh, yeah, Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Again, phenomenal film. And uh, yeah, it's on Netflix now. So go check it out. All right, The Master. Uh, Troy, you should probably think about remastering your video review. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, <good>. oh, sorry <laughs> i've been on puns i've been doing too many puns lately i need to stop <laughs> uh anyways uh let's go ahead and move on to the next segment let's all go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat so new releases we got a hype as hell week happening right now. This is go- this is definitely going to be one of those like, it, this is going to be an easy slam dunk uh, for like you know pick of the week. But it's also like you know that's no slight that's like no slight to the runner ups. So let's go ahead and, and hit up with the uh, the big the big release this week, Mortal Kombat. It's coming out this Friday, April twenty third, in theaters and on HBO Max. The official synopsis reads. Mortal Kombat is a mysterious intergalactic tournament of ancient martial arts. Shaolin monk Liu Kang from Earth gets invited as a competitor. That is the most terrible, most bullshit ass fucking synopsis ever. Like, what the hell? Literally, that's it. That's the synopsis. Like, what? Like, that doesn't make sense. You, you, you literally don't talk about anyone like, like, like the new character, oh, like, like Sub Zero or or Scorpion yeah, they, or Kano, Sonya, like nothing. Like, oh man, that's it's just so like simple like what the hell (laughs) (laughs) so uh i pulled this up from wikipedia it says here mortal kombat is a 2021 american martial arts fantasy film directed by simon mccoy in his feature film debut it is based on the video game franchise of the same name created by ed boon and john tobias serving as a reboot of the mortal kombat film series the film stars lewis tan jessica mcnamee uh, Josh Lawson, Tadanobu uh, Asano, uh, Makad Brooks, Ludi Lin, Chin Han, Joe Taslim, and Hiroyuki Sanada. So 
I'm not gonna lie, I don't know any of those names except for Sonata. And you know, Hiroki Sonata has been in like in so many films. I, I remember him yeah. being in like The Last Samurai from Rush back out. in 2003. Yeah, uh, Rush Hour Three, and, Avengers yeah. Endgame, and his cameo scene, his badass cameo scene, and everything like that. He's been in a lot of yeah. shit. And uh, yeah. um, and it's kind of interesting. And um, by the way, he's playing Scorpion. By the way, it's a you know, it's a really good. It's a match made in heaven. But it's really interesting yeah. that they got a bunch of no name actors to to be these characters and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know why. I guess Mortal Kombat the IP is the is the draw. You don't really need star power. Yeah, you don't really need a bunch of uh, named actors as long as they can act. You know. Yeah. But I will say this: like one of the things, like I'm excited about this movie because I've been waiting for a Mortal Kombat movie for a long time now. Like, actually, I remember, like, at, being at your house in, like, 2016 or something, talking to Tony about, like, when the hell they're doing a Mortal Kombat movie or whatever. So, like, that goes to show how long I've been waiting for a Mortal Kombat movie because I just feel like it's something that should be a movie. Like, it, it belongs on the big screen, not just in video games. So, I'm, I'm excited about it. I can't wait. But one thing that annoys me, I hate when Hollywood do this, is, like, you get such a big IP... And then you hire a first-time director. <laughs> like, what the hell are you thinking? Like, you got so many directors out there. So many. Like, it's so many directors that have so much talent that's proven themselves. And I'm not saying the guy that's directing this movie isn't a good director. But let him prove himself. Like, let him do a couple of movies first. Like, and it's one of the genius things that Marvel does. Right? Like, Marvel will hire someone like John Watts that does the spy. Spider-Man movies he did one movie first and it was a masterpiece of a movie I, I think it was called like cop car or something but it showed that okay this guy can actually tell a great story let's hire him or the or the the woman that Marvel just hired for um the internals I think that's the movie no. I think it's called internals yeah, from promising a woman uh yeah like no, the, that, yeah, yeah she, Nomadland fuck damn it not Nomadland uh, yes yeah, ex yeah exactly they she directed a masterpiece she showed that okay she knows what she's doing and then they hire her. you know i don't mind you doing one movie first or a couple of movies you know the same thing back like with christopher nolan he did memento and then i was like all right yeah this dude good for batman begins he did i think he did memento in one insomnia and they're like oh yeah let him do batman begins because he know what he's doing like like let a dude get let this person get a couple movies under their belt don't just hire them not like and if this movie sucks that's gonna be the reason why you got a first-time director and it's not about like directing cool action it's like can you tell a story can you properly execute character development can you like make sure the script is right like you you know how to deal with these things like you know what i'm saying so yeah when i look at the trailers i say damn it's a bunch of cool shit in this movie but it's like i you know i don't know if it's gonna be any good <laughs> or whatever you know what i'm saying so that's just one of the things that irritate me if the movie sucks I'm going to look at the producers that hired this first time the director when they could have got anybody else. So now, at least yeah. they have cool visuals. If the trailers are anything to go. Yeah. The trailers yeah. are anything to go yeah. by. He knows how to like, you know, do action and fights. Action. Yeah. And like, I will like the action seems like it's ripped right out the fucking game. Uh, video games. Yeah. Like it, it looks fantastic. But again, for a movie to be good, it, it needs more than just cool, you know, action. Exactly you know what I mean? Films. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, like sucker punch and stuff like that. But, um, sucker but yeah, yeah, so like Sucker Punch is a perfect example. Like I could see this movie being Sucker Punch too. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like so I don't know. Hopefully it's not. Uh okay. All right. Well, number the next one up is Demon Slayer the movie Mugen Train. Comes out in theaters on April 23rd. Uh 
I don't have an official synopsis, but I do have some stuff that I pulled from Wikipedia. It says here, the film is a 2020 Japanese animated dark fantasy period action film. That's a lot of genres in there. Yeah. Let me go take that again. Dark fantasy period action film. There we go. Based on the shonen manga series Demon Slayer Kametsu no Yaba. The film, which is, di- is a direct sequel to the 2019 anime television series, was directed by Haru Soruzaki. The film was released on October 16th, 2020 in Japan and earned widespread acclaim from audiences and critics worldwide, praised for character developments, voice acting, action sequences, emotional depth, and themes with more faithfulness to the series. It has grossed over $432 million worldwide, making it the first Japanese film and first anime film to reach the milestone of $400 million worldwide uh, box office proceeds. It is also the first R-rated animated film to set multiple box office records, including the highest grossing film of all time in Japan. So, yeah, it's the, if you look at the, Jap- the Japanese box office, it's now number one. I think I forgot what number two was. Uh, I don't know if it was Avatar or something like that, but basically it like supplanted that one. Um, it's the highest grossing anime film and the highest grossing Japanese film of all time. It's also the highest grossing R-rated animated film of all time. So, you know, anytime movies like this get around to me, like, cause I've heard of this movie. Like I, I don't, I'm not, I haven't seen like the trailer. Or I haven't seen it or anything, but like, I've heard of it. And usually, you know, when movies are good, especially when they're from another country and you somehow you still hear about it. Like sometimes just in the mythos of being in the movie world, you hear about certain shit. I've heard of this movie, you know what I mean? And I looked up on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 100, you know what I mean? Now, it only has a few reviews, but still, like, it goes to show that this shit might be interesting, so I'm definitely gonna have to check this out, and I love anime in general, so, you know, this seems like this would be right up my alley, for sure. So, uh, the, um, for those that don't know, uh, Netflix signed a deal recently, and so they have the first season on Netflix right now. Oh, really? So you can watch the you can watch the Netflix um, season and then go to the movies and watch it. Uh, watch the See, movie. That's why I fuck with. That's why I fuck with Netflix, <laughs> man. Damn, it's like they always they just know look out for good shit. It's like they look out for good shit. It's gonna keep them, you know, where they belong in this whole streaming wars. It's gonna keep them at the top because they just they look out for good shit. And they, out of nowhere, now I could go look. Now I'm gonna actually watch this. You know what I'm saying? Because if this is good and then it leads up to this movie, man, I'm gonna be a new fan. <laughs> there you go. Uh, probably me, uh, probably do the same thing. So um, it says here, due to its success, it was submitted for the best animated feature film category for the 93rd Academy Awards. And a second season of the anime series was announced and set to premiere in 2021 with the staff and voice cast from the first season and film returning. So yeah, hype ass release. An- an- Another hype-ass release, and then now a third hype-ass release. Uh, this is an actual, it's a Netflix series, so it's not a movie, but I wanted to go ahead and bring this up to you guys. Uh, Shadow and Bone drops on Netflix this Friday. It says here, based on Lee Bardugo's worldwide best-selling Grishaverse novels, Shadow and, Bo- uh, Shadow and Bone finds us in a war-torn world where lowly sol- soldier and orphan Alina Starkov has just unleashed an extraordinary power that could be the key to setting her country free. 
With the monstrous threat of the shadow fold looming, Alina is torn from everything she knows to train as part of an elite army of magical soldiers known as Grisha. But as she struggles to hone her power, she finds that allies and enemies can be one and the same, and that nothing in this lavish world is what it seems. There are dangerous forces at play, including a, f a crew of charismatic criminals, and it will take more than magic to survive. And the show stars Jesse May Lee, Ben Barnes, Freddie Carter, Amita Suman, Kit Young, and Archie Renault. So... The only one in the cast that I know is Ben Barnes because he was Prince Caspian in the Chronicles of Narnia movies. Mm. So yeah, I haven't I haven't heard of this one, but damn man, that sounds interesting. Like I'm listening to that shit. I'm like, uh, the trailer is dope. This... By the way, they put a lot of money. Like oh, when I with the, when I saw the trailer, holy shit! Is this a Netflix original? Yeah, it's a Netflix original. Yeah, okay, okay. I'm going to have to watch the trailer for that shit, man. Damn, that shit look sound lit. Like the synopsis alone looks like a, like a little mini short story. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm like, damn, I you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I I'm going to definitely watch there's, the trailer and check this there's out. There's a lot going on this week for new releases. So, my personal pick for uh pick of the week has got to be Mortal Kombat simply because I've been, you know, it's Mortal Kombat, but the other two, they're no slouches. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, it's crazy because even if Mortal Kombat didn't come out this next week, you know, uh, um, like, I'll still be excited for Demon Slayer and Shadow and Bone. So, yeah, uh, yeah, this is one hell of a week. But I'm like you, Mortal Kombat. I mean, it's Mortal Kombat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, yeah, I'm definitely going to ch uh, check out Demon Slayer. And uh, I kind of want to watch the series, too, leading up to it. Like, just uh make it more better you know what i'm saying it it makes it you you know it makes it more hype you know what i mean so yeah yeah definitely a lot going on this week for new releases and uh i might fuck around and just watch them all and then like have like impressions for everything so you know what i mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh but that, all that being said um let's go ahead and uh and end the show and uh, now the end is near and so i face the final curtain. It is time to end. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ready Play Movies. Remember, remember you can reach the podcast by email at readyplaymovies at gmail.com or simply at readyplaymovies on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Chakalaka88 and Troy. Bracy Troy 58 So don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, tell your friends about the show and all that good stuff. See you next time. <laughs>